0: You're listening to the Calm and Cozy Podcast, your weekly dose of stress relief, rest, self-care, and never-ending coziness. I'm Beth Wyatt, your insomnia and stress management coach. I'm also a napping aficionado, always up for a dance party, and planning on filling up on all the appetizer cheese at Christmas dinner next week. This is episode 37. I'm still on the surgery topic this week because it's kind of a big deal. And in a few more days, I'll be four weeks into my recovery from breast reduction surgery. I wanted to do an episode on recovery because not only have many of you reached out about your own reduction journey, but recovering from surgery in general is a universal topic. I'll be relating to my specific experience here but I believe the points I cover in this episode can be applied to whatever part of your body is about to be cut open. To give you a bit of information, in case you're new here, on November 21st, I had a day surgery that involved opening up both of my breasts, removing about 400 grams of tissue from each side, and then closing them back up. My reduction included a lift, and I went from a size 32G bra to about a 32D. I'm still a bit swollen, and I'm told my size might change slightly over the next few weeks, still. It's a big difference, and weight wise, I don't have the constant strain on my neck, my shoulders, and my back. I was off work for about a week and a half, and I still can't exercise or lift anything over five pounds for the next couple weeks. I'm really happy with my results, and thankfully, I haven't had any complications. I went into recovery with my own expectations, and planned everything down to the last pillow. I still learned quite a bit from going through it myself though, so what I'm going to share with you could still be helpful for yours, but won't be the same as your experience. Which leads me to my first point. No matter how much you research, there will still be a few surprises. I went into this experience knowing a lot about it. I watched the actual breast reduction surgery on YouTube without fainting, puking, or crying, and I read several articles and blog posts. I watched every YouTube video related to the subject, and I read probably hundreds of posts in the Facebook support group. None of my research prepared me completely. It's good to know what you're getting yourself into because it makes it a lot less scary, but don't be disappointed if something happens that you didn't plan for. For me, the side effects of surgery were the worst part of my recovery, especially in the first week. Sorry if this is too much information, but I had a sore, bright red throat and swollen tongue from the breathing tube. I was constipated for four days from the painkillers, and I had a yeast infection from the antibiotics. My chest? Oh yeah, it was uncomfortable, but it wasn't until the little annoying side effects of the surgery went away that I started to feel normal. No one could have prepared me for those things, because everyone has a different experience with surgery. My mouth had a wrestling match with the breathing tube apparently, but that doesn't happen to everyone. My next point is find your supportive community. Who are your most supportive and caring people in your life? That's your supportive community. You might have people who don't understand or don't support you, but don't worry about those people. They're not your people. You'll need one person who drives you home and make sure you're okay for the first 24 hours. And then after that, call on the people who want to help. I had my support group and I also joined a breast reduction surgery Facebook group. The group was private, full of women who were in every stage of their reduction journeys and it was so helpful to be able to ask questions and hear from people who were going through it or had already gone through it. There's a Facebook group for pretty much everything these days. The other day I saw an ad for a curly hair support group. I don't have curly hair, but if I did, and I felt like I needed support, I would have joined. Next is understand that everyone is different. I've been told many stories about recovery from, it didn't hurt at all, to I couldn't do anything for weeks. Every person is different, and take every word of advice with a grain of salt. Even mine. Your pain tolerance, the amount of work being done, your specific surgeon, their skill level, the body part that's being worked on, and your reaction to painkillers will decide your pain level. Listen to what others tell you, but don't expect the exact same results. Next is let your caregiver take care of you. It's hard for a lot of us to give up control, but it's important that you concentrate on getting as much rest as possible during recovery. Let your partner, your family member, your roommate, or whomever you've trusted as your caregiver for the first few days after surgery do the work for you. Jake, my very sweet spouse, made me soup, he helped me open pill bottles, and many other things. He wanted to help, and I let him because I couldn't do a lot of those things myself without pain. Just stop feeling guilty and go with it. Next is just because you can doesn't mean you should. I unloaded the dishwasher on day five and was in pain for hours afterwards. Baby yourself and your incisions for as long as possible because you'll slow down the healing process if you do too much too soon. This is kind of a vulnerable one. I called it take the friggin stool softeners, also referred to as don't get too cocky. I know I said to take advice with a grain of salt, but I also want to tell you two stories of how I completely ignored the advice given and paid for it later. I read in so many places that stool softeners are a must when taking painkillers. I've never been constipated in my life, but I've also never taken heavy painkillers. So I ignored the advice. My exact thought was, it won't happen to me. And guess what? It happened to me. I went four days without a bowel movement, and I had to resort to a combination of senacote and prunes. Four days might not sound like a lot, but when you're used to going two to three times a day, four days is agonizing. Don't go into this thinking you're above everyone else who struggled. It can happen to you. It's been said by almost everyone who's had this surgery that they struggled with nausea or were warned that they would. Ask for Graball in your IV, was the advice. Again, like an a-hole, I thought, I won't need it. I've had anesthesia before and it didn't make me nauseous. I ignored it, even though it would have been a very simple two-second task to ask for anti-nausea medication just in case. My biggest complaint in recovery and days afterwards was nausea. It happened to me and it was awful. Don't be that a-hole. Next, get as cozy as possible. I spent the first several days after surgery in a button-down nightshirt and big, thick, cozy winter socks. That was my recovery uniform. On laundry day, or when I was ready for a change, I switched to my favorite cotton onesie and a pair of slippers. I didn't wear normal clothes until my post-op appointment a week later. So I was cozy all the time. My bed was my haven. I had a U-shaped pregnancy pillow, which made sleeping elevated easier, and the coziest bedding I could find to put on my bed. I let out a happy sigh every time I got into bed, which was often. This made sleeping more enjoyable because I didn't need to writhe around angrily trying to get comfortable every night. Now, this next tip comes from my mom, who recently had two separate knee replacement surgeries. Don't be a hero. Take your painkillers. Write that down. The next one is lower your expectations. Before surgery, I had an idea in my head about how I would spend my time recovering. I pictured myself snuggled in my bed, crochet hook in hand, completed pile of handmade gifts beside me on the bedside table, and season three of my current Netflix addiction burning a hole in my laptop. I would take some time every day to check my work email, and I'd get a few future podcast episodes and blog posts written. In other words, I pictured recovery from surgery being incredibly productive. The reality was very different. I woke up most mornings with nausea or a headache. Most days I woke up, used the toilet, and then went back to bed. Anesthesia made me very groggy for the first week. Concentrating long enough to crochet a hat just was not happening for me. I also didn't feel like watching anything because I couldn't keep my eyes open long enough to get into it. My energy levels were very low, and nothing productive happened for that first week after surgery. And that's the point of recovery. Rest and productivity don't actually go together. Don't expect to finish writing and editing your memoirs during your recovery time. Just rest and get better. That's your job. Next is stay calm. Not every little complication is worthy of racing to the emergency room. Ask your surgeon what's normal and what isn't before surgery to eliminate the need for major freakouts later. Know what issues deserve an extra layer of gauze, a call to your doctor, or a visit to the hospital. I was told beforehand that a small opening of my incisions was quite normal, especially in that section where the vertical and the horizontal scar formed a T. I was told if it didn't close in a few days, or if it was oozing, I should call them. So when it happened to me, even though my first thought was, oh my god, I'm gonna die, I remembered that it was a common issue, To take special care, and to watch it closely for signs of infection. It did close up on its own a few days later. Of course, if you're in doubt about anything, call your surgeon. It's better safe than sorry. I also want you to do some before and afters. Make detailed notes of your current complaints, take pictures or measurements if applicable. It's the best way of monitoring progress. Most of the women who have breast reduction surgery, myself included, want a substantial before and after. When I look at my new post-surgery boobs, my rational brain knew there was a big change, but I still worried that they were too big to find relief. I didn't want to go through this whole ordeal and not have a substantial change. Before surgery, I took pictures of myself. They were mostly photos of myself in my current bras, a few in my post-up bra, and one in my favorite white t-shirt. It felt kind of silly at the time, but I'm so glad that I did this because when I compared the before and after photos, that's when I saw the biggest difference. Honestly, when I look down at my chest, they look the same to me. When I feel them, I know they're smaller, and I'm fitting into smaller bras, but I still get discouraged that I should have gone smaller. That's when I whip out that before and after picture that I love that's on my phone and remind myself of what I used to look and feel like. My before and after picture in the white t-shirt's my favorite. I actually look at it a couple times a day. I show it to other people when they ask, and I even shared it on my Instagram, at sleepcoachbath. I'm happy with my results, but the photographic evidence is the best reminder of where I was and where I am now. I can't recommend it enough, take photos. But if photos or measurements don't apply to your upcoming surgery, make a list of all your current complaints. Where's the pain? What level is it at? What activities can't you do now that you hope to do after? When you're a few weeks or months after your surgery, you can revisit that list and then compare your goals and see how far you've come. Well, that's it for me. I wish you the smoothest, most pain-free recovery ever. If you want to read more about my reduction story, go to bethwyattcoaching.com, that's Wyatt as in ERP, and scroll down to the bottom of the page for the link. Or wait until next week when I tell you the whole story as my special Christmas Eve episode. Until next time, sleep well and stay cozy. And to my mom who listens to my podcast every night as she falls asleep, Good night, Mama.